0: This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Youthful Energy, providing you with unique energy support of pure N.T. Factor. N.T. Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause. Age, illness, or just being run down. N.T. Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown N.T. Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking N.T. Factor for years. With a 45-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and we're talking about uh, intermittent fasting, specifically TRF, time-restricted feeding. Uh, Today's guest, Carolyn Gazelle, and I uh, co-wrote an article in Natural Medicine Journal on the subject of intermittent fasting. And uh, in part one, we kind of laid the groundwork for discussion in part two, and now we're going to talk about practical application to certain situations. So yes, Uh, It can help with uh, weight loss, Uh, but that's not all. Uh, There's some very interesting data about uh, its application uh, to a variety of situations. So let's talk first about uh, cardiovascular disease. Uh, What did your research reveal when you uh, looked at the relationship of TRF to uh, lipid metabolism and cardiovascular risk?
1: Well, it is pretty remarkable. Um, it does influence LDL cholesterol, triglycerides, and total cholesterol. And it helps, obviously, reduce the bad cholesterol, increase the good cholesterol, and then uh, reduce overall total cholesterol. Um, you know, it's also... Uh, as a result of that, can inhi- inhibit uh, formation of asclerotic plaque, uh, which is important. Um, and it also, the, the study that I really enjoyed was um, with patients uh, with metabolic syndrome. So metabolic syndrome is a cluster of conditions that put people at high risk of developing heart disease. Um, so you're already talking about an at-risk population. Um, they fasted for over 14 hours or 14 hours, Um, And they had a significant reduction, uh, not only in um, body fat and waist uh, circumference, but also in blood pressure. So we are uh, seeing that it can uh, help with um, resting heart rate, blood pressure, and it uh, can help increase heart rate variability. So the cardiovascular benefits are pretty significant.
0: Mm, That's impressive. Uh, What about uh, cancer? Uh, there's some really interesting work by uh, Walter Longo, who's been a guest on this program, and you're very familiar with Dr. Longo's research, uh, looking at the relationship between the fasting mimicking diet and cancer, and specifically the effectiveness of uh, conventional therapies. It's, he, he, he urges that you team fasting with, um, with uh, conventional treatments like chemo.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the the big home run here is for somebody who's on chemotherapy or who's had chemotherapy in the the past, you want to do two things. You want to enhance the benefits of the chemotherapy so it can kill the cancer cells. And then you also want to reduce the side effects of the chemotherapy because chemotherapy drugs are very potent drugs. So if you can do those two things, that's a huge home run. If there was a drug that could do those two things, um, you know, it would mm-hmm. be a, a miracle drug. Um, so uh, in two, in 2019, now this one wasn't done by uh, uh, Dr. Longo and his colleagues. Uh, it was another one that was done that showed that when you uh, combine time-restricted feeding with chemotherapy, you will in fact um, – Increase the efficacy of the drug, not all chemotherapy drugs, obviously, but, but some of them. Um, and you're also going to be reducing the side effects uh, because you're protecting the healthy cells from DNA damage. Now, that's pretty remarkable. Um, and, you know, there, there was another study uh, involving uh, breast cancer risk. Um, and in that study, uh, it showed that um, there were improved biomarkers that indicated that you would have be at less risk of developing breast cancer mm-hmm. if you um, uh, follow this diet. And I, and I want to uh, tell you, Dr. Hoffman, as uh, a woman who's had ovarian cancer, our family has also been studied uh, by Creighton University. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back in the day, we were found to be one of the largest known carriers of the BRCA gene. Oh. Um, so. So we have where it's a very large Midwest family yeah. that I come from, and so i I still have healthy breasts and I want to keep my healthy breasts. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but I also want to do everything I can to reduce my risk of developing breast cancer, including screening and everything that I'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. this this diet happens to be one of those things that mm-hmm. will. Potentially help reduce my risk of developing breast cancer. So because of its the, impact the, on
0: uh, insulin resistance and IGF-1, known risk factors, especially for some of these uh, reproductive cancers, cancers of the breast, the prostate seem to be especially uh, amenable to these strategies.
1: Exactly, and we know that um, if uh, you are in an insulin-resistant state and you have poor glycemic uh, regulation and control, you are definitely at mm-hmm. increased risk of developing breast cancer. Also, if you have chronic inflammation, yeah. uh, you're at increased risk of developing – now, this particular study didn't look at um, the um, CRP or some of the other inflammatory markers. I am not; I don't think it did, mm-hmm. uh, but we know that this diet um, has some um, – anti-inflammatory effects. So, yeah, there's, there's several reasons why it's uh, 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 c- potentially good to reduce cancer risk.
0: Let's move on to diabetes because there's some contradictory research on this subject. Uh, I've got a headline here. Inter- intermittent fasting, quote, not benign for patients with diabetes. This according to a viewpoint published in Journal of the American Medical Association. Uh, they say there are not enough studies. Uh, they're also concerned about uh, hypoglycemia, uh, weakness, headaches, dizziness. Uh, you know, they're not sure that that's such a good idea. On the other hand, uh, there are some studies that say that it's ideal, especially for type 2 diabetes, type 1 diabetes. Of course, you have to be careful. But if you don't take insulin, and insulin can lower your blood sugar, and if you don't eat, you're in trouble. But um, this study... Early time-restricted feeding improves insulin sensitivity, blood pressure, and oxidative stress, even without weight loss in men with pre-diabetes. So that's kind of cool. You don't even have to lose weight; you get your metabolism is better. So, if you're <laughs> if you're a little disappointed that you haven't lost uh, you know 25 pounds yet uh, on this, Carolyn, uh, you're so much yeah. better <laughs> off. You know, even if the scale does not uh, give you that feedback.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think that, um, what we found, uh, you know, that the, I would say that, uh, the research is not robust in this area, but we did find research stating that, um, it can in fact be beneficial for people. And as you mentioned, it is type two diabetes specifically. Um, the one thing that I do often have people, for example, my, my sister seems to have blood sugar issues and she's, she'll be the first one to say, Oh, I could never do that. You know, Mm -hmm. my blood sugar drops in the morning and I have to eat. Now, my understanding, Dr. Hoffman is that, um, with a person who has that, and she does not have type 2 diabetes, right. she just has some blood blood uh She's sugar erratic,
0: erratic blood sugar. It's exactly. Yeah.
1: So my understanding is that if in fact a person like that could stick with mm-hmm. the intermittent fasting and their time of mm-hmm. re- re- really restrictive feeding, if they could stick with it, that it would actually help them level out mm-hmm. their blood sugar issues. Is that is that
0: yeah, correct? Yeah, you know, generally there's an adaptation period. And at first, you know, there is definitely some uh, deprivation. Uh, and, you know, I, I've, I've learned this uh, through bitter experience during my clinical practice of over 30 years, is that uh, initially some of the patients really hate you. Hate you. You know, they just hate on you. <laughs> and, I, you know, I had a patient come back to me a few years ago. I remember this conversation distinctly. She said, I cursed you every morning for the first couple of weeks, but I withheld, you know, uh, calling you and to complain. Mm -hmm. And then something kicked in for me. And suddenly I developed complete equanimity to carbs. Uh, this is on a a low carb, uh, time restricted feeding regimen. Uh, but there was a real withdrawal period. I mean, people are hooked on carbs and partly Mm -hmm. insulin metabolism. It's partly habit and taste. And you know the emotional uh, component of carbs, and also you know there's a there's a neuro there's a neuroscience of carbs. I mean, some people really go into uh, like a serotonin, serotonin uh, deprivation without carbs. There's no question. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, you know, again, it you you got to give it some time. Some people may not uh, ultimately adapt, and they may have to do some modified uh, version of this, but. It usually does kick in, so yeah. I do highly recommend it for diabetics, uh, the, the non-insulin dependent diabetics. That is,
1: yeah, and I also uh, I think that we should talk about um, people who maybe at high risk of of developing type two diabetes because mm-hmm. I, I feel like this this diet could be an effective tool to use to reduce risk of developing type two diabetes. Oh, Yeah, Yeah, I I think that that's, uh, if you, if you're headed down that path, Mm -hmm. um, pre-diabetic or just have a family history or, or whatnot, uh, this, this diet, uh, would be something to consider
0: for sure. Well, as you well know that, you know, the, the NHANES study, uh, recently evaluated the metabolic fitness of Americans and they looked at a variety of criteria that look at, you know, waste and blood pressure and if people are on medications and blood sugar and and so on and so on and so on and so on. And, It turned out that only 12% of adult Americans are, quote, metabolically fit. So that means that we're vastly underdiagnosing the problem. People with frank diabetes may represent 20% of the people who ultimately are at risk of the consequences of uh, metabolic syndrome, uh, perhaps without ever developing uh, full-blown diabetes or being properly diagnosed. So,
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: So moving on to cognitive benefits this is really interesting um, there's this thing called neuroplasticity and um there's actually some literature on trf and um improved memory and learning
1: yeah i find this fascinating as well but this is another case where um what you do can uh, affect uh, yourself and your health on a very deep cellular level. So this now we're talking of course cells in the brain which impact brain function. So um, you know it, it helps enhance that synaptic plasticity. So it'll help your brain cells fire uh, better and it also helps with neurogenesis, which is the creation of, of new brain cells and um, and yeah I mean there, we, we've focused on a couple of uh, studies. Um, you know one was in 2016 and uh, it showed that it improved this diet improved verbal memory verbal fluency executive function and global co- uh, cognition um, I mean as, as you age, I mean, as I, as I mentioned, I'm 58 and, you know, I really want to protect my brain function. I want to protect my brain health and I want to do everything I can to do that uh, because that speaks to the quality of my life as I move forward. Um, so the fact that this has such a direct impact on my cognition. I think it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Now, have I noticed that my memory are, is better are you and that to see I can? More <laughs>
0: clarity, more focus. Uh,
1: I think I am. You know, yeah. it could be placebo effect, Dr. Yeah. Hoffman, but yeah. I, I, do feel like I am, um, a little bit sharper, mm-hmm. uh, than, than when I was, um, eating the other way. So, so yeah, I, I think that that's a pretty, um, you know, and, and that some other studies are, are, mostly cellular study or animal studies, but, um, Showed that, uh, when the animals had this, this type of diet, mm-hmm. uh, that they had imp- improved memory and learning, um, mm-hmm. which is, I, I want to have a good memory and I want to yeah. be able to, uh, continue to, it, it, to I think learn. It,
0: at the very least, I think it keeps you sharper and less lethargic because I think so many people are just sort of blown away with overconsumption, uh, that, uh, they, uh, just, uh, you know, much of the day they have sort of a syrupy feeling. Uh and uh you know, hunger may sharpen focus uh, and attention, uh, you know, to the extent that it's not um overdone, you know.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, um in that Mattson paper, um that, that you and I both love, um the authors also state that it can help reduce stress related damage to the brain. Mm. And I, there's no no question that right now um we're under a lot of stress these mm-hmm. are very difficult times mm-hmm. um and that we also know that stress can affect our health but it also can affect brain function yep. and if if we can do something that can help re- reduce that stress related brain damage that could potentially occur um, I think that uh, it's a good thing so so yeah I, I think it, it attenuates that, that-
0: cortisol is that one of the mechanisms or it has any inflammatory effect or you know both
1: yeah I think probably both. I I am not not aware of any kind of cortisol effect. Mm -hmm, So that I would have to look into, but Mm -hmm. definitely with the inflammation. And then as you mentioned, um, you know, when your brain is under stress, your, your, the cells Mm -hmm. in your brain are impacted. So if this provides a protective effect Mm -hmm. to those cells in the brain, Mm -hmm. it's going to help reduce that stress related damage. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think that, uh, uh, but, but the cortisol thing would be interesting to look into for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. They may be part of the mechanism. And finally, mm-hmm. uh, anti-inflammatory, you know, so many people suffer from inflammatory disorders. In fact, it's thought to be a, a hallmark of aging, is that as your immune system uh, senesces, is that a word? As you become, you develop immunosenescence, uh, you have um, uh, lowered resistance, but at the same time, uh, your body attacks itself more, more uh, proclivity to autoimmune conditions and inflammatory conditions. And there's something about uh, this uh, TRF that may have an impact on things like uh, C-reactive protein uh, and um, symptoms of tender and swollen joints. And there's a big trial underway at uh, Germany's largest university hospital in Berlin to evaluate the effects of fasting on rheumatoid arthritis.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the study that you and I looked at for our paper was a 2019 multi-center study with uh, patients with psoriatic arthritis, mm-hmm. which is probably the, the cousin to uh, rheumatoid arthritis, so it's an autoimmune condition. Um, th- this fast was 17 hours, so it was a little bit longer, mm-hmm. uh, but the they improved significantly when it came to uh, improved tender and swollen joints, pain, discomfort, fatigue, um, and then you mentioned, uh, that, uh, inflammatory marker of C-reactive
2: protein. When you can get that C-reactive protein level down, that's when you can get all of these horrible symptoms to be reduced, like the pain and the discomfort and the fatigue and the swollen joints. Um, and that's big for a person who has those conditions.
0: Yeah. So, uh, clearly there's, there's promise there for, uh, you know, some of the most common afflictions known to man for which we don't have uh, a lot of really good solutions. Uh, drug therapies that have toxicity, uh, certainly this could be, at the very least, an adjunct to conventional therapy for some of these inflammatory disorders like rheumatoid arthritis, perhaps even uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, and on and on it goes. So many itises, so many inflammatory conditions. Okay, so so now let's talk about, you know, and I think we have to go here because uh, this is not – for everyone, there are certain con, with what is called in medicine contraindications, circumstances where caution needs to be exercised in applying TRF, uh, or it may not be appropriate. So what are some of those?
2: Well, I think, you know, obviously, um, it may not be appropriate for children, uh, women who are pregnant or nursing, um, and any, any population that has really high nutrient needs, um, that would be a, a first place to start, uh, but there are other populations as well. I mean, the one that I find, uh, most, um, intriguing and, and really, really quite important are, uh, people who have or are experiencing, uh, eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Anybody who has a, a history of an eating disorder like anorexia or bulimia, you know, whenever you restrict any, any kind of Uh, dietary restriction, uh, for a person with that kind of history or who's in the throes of that kind of condition, uh, can, can really, uh, get them to spiral. You're sort uh, of reinforcing the wrong,
0: the wrong message. You know, it's like more restriction, bring it on, more restriction, you know, more rules. And, uh, then it can boomerang into, uh, binging or, you know, or a real, uh, tailspin into, uh, very, very serious food deprivation.
2: Right, exactly. And I, I think that that is something important. And the scientific literature does bear that out. There's not a lot of research in this area, but honestly, it makes logical sense. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know that we need a lot of studies with this one. I think that, um, that that's the caution there. Any type of history of an eating disorder or if you're in the throes of an eating disorder, this would not be the diet for you. Um, and then uh, people, you know, who are nutritionally compromised due to a particular condition, like inflammatory bowel disease. Can wreak havoc with uh, the the nutritional status of that interdi- of that individual. Um, so it would uh, it would may it may not be appropriate for that person. Certainly, mm-hmm. if somebody with inflammatory bowel disease or who has malabsorption, this is uh, they would want to do this diet under the care of a of an experienced physician. Um, and then and then finally, I would say uh, you know, we talked about cancer. And, um, you know, and we talked about the benefits of reducing risk of cancer and re- and utilizing this diet with chemotherapy. But there's a-, a condition called cachexia where, uh, the cancer patient gets m- basically malnourished, um, and, uh, is losing muscle mass. And, um, a person who is in that state, uh, should probably use caution with this particular diet as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, as you mentioned, the short bowel syndrome where people have less intestinal surface and they have to uh, maintain uh, a more consistent caloric intake just to keep ahead of the uh, inefficiency of their absorption of nutrients. That might be a problem. And then, you know, uh, just to reiterate, if you have uh, type 1 diabetes or if you are on uh if you have type 2 diabetes and you're taking an oral medication or an injectable medication, not insulin, that significantly lowers your blood sugar, well, you have to do this in conjunction with an experienced um, physician because, uh, you know, when you don't eat and you take something that simultaneously lowers your blood sugar, whether it's insulin or medication, uh, you could become hypoglycemic and, you know, become weak and woozy and, you know, even lose consciousness. So that can be a problem.
2: Right. Yeah. Exactly.
0: But nonetheless, I mean, I think that, in in my personal opinion, I think it remains a very, very important tool for the management of especially diabetics uh, who are suffering from insulin resistance and overweight, and um, you know, this could really uh, be a, a sea change for them.
2: Right. Right. I, I agree with that. I think that our conclusion in our paper to healthcare other healthcare professionals like yourself, was that this, this could be a very effective tool with certain patients, um, and that uh, it could, uh, could be a game changer for some mm. of them, and it, and it should be looked at uh, with a lot of uh, serious consideration.
0: And, and that was the point of the very prominent placement of that uh, article uh, that we quote uh, in our uh, review. Uh, the Matson article in the New England Journal of Medicine, for those who want to do a deeper dive on the subject, uh, check out uh, New England Journal of Medicine. I believe that this came out in 2019, Matson M-A-T-T-S-O-N, Intermittent Fasting. Uh, Google it, find it, you know, you'll read all the technical information about uh, some of the benefits if you want to do a deep dive on the subject. Uh, find our article at um, Natural Medicine Journal, Right.
2: Yep, naturalmedicinejournal.com. And that Mattson uh, reference is reference number five. So you can scroll down and you can get the full reference and mm-hmm. uh, just do a cut and paste and you'll be able to find that Matson piece.
0: It'll take you it right there. That's great. Uh, before we uh, sign off, uh, tell us about uh, 5 to Thrive. Uh, that's still an ongoing uh, podcast and radio program.
2: Yes, I actually do two podcasts now. I do one podcast with uh, Dr. Al Schuler and that is a five to thrive live every tuesday night but it's also available on pandora and spotify and iheart anywhere that you can find your uh, podcast you'll find it just look for five to thrive live Uh, we focus on ways to reduce cancer risk and support cancer survivors and their caregivers Um, it's a lot of uh, we always are interviewing really interesting experts dr hoffman you've been on several times and I believe we have a, a show coming up with you this fall, which I'm excited about. Um, so yeah, that, that is, uh, the, um, podcast that I do for patients or consumers. And I also do a natural medicine journal podcast now, uh, for healthcare professionals. Uh, so if you're a healthcare professional and you want to stay up on the latest in integrative medicine, uh, just, uh, same thing, you can go to Pod- uh, Pandora or Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts, and type in Natural Medicine Journal, and you will find those podcasts. We've been doing a lot of uh, COVID-19 updates. I have a new COVID-19 update coming out tomorrow. Oh, uh, okay. or no, I'm we'll sorry, Wednesday. That. Wednesday. We'll yeah, you can look for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Well. Uh, you are just so prolific, and, you know, congratulations on uh, your wonderful contributions to the field of integrative medicine. Uh, and, you know, and I will say that in collaborating with you, uh, your science is rigorous. Uh, you always insist on an evidence basis for whatever statements uh, you're making, and I really think that that's uh, a wonderful, wonderful um way to proceed in this field which is, you know, often uh, critiqued. You know, where's the science? Where's the journal articles? Uh where's the proof? Uh you certainly stand up to scrutiny uh when you write about stuff. So it's been always been a you. pleasure working with you on this.
2: Yes, thank you. We're we're sticklers. Uh and as you said it reflects on the entire industry. So we want to be a leader in that area.
0: Indeed. Well thank you Carolyn Gazella for joining us. Uh if you want to look her up it's uh, Carolyn with a K, Gazella, G-A-Z-E-L-L-A. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free full script account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. Drhoffmanstore.com